the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work of his great might, that he worked in us, or that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So two weeks ago, actually I'll back up a minute. Three weeks ago, we looked at predestination and adoption. Two weeks ago, we looked at forgiveness and, and redemption and the inheritance, the guarantee and secured salvation we have. And we talked about an inheritance in the sense of if you have $10 billion, would that affect how you live today? You guys remember that? And, and you all did a really good churchy job. You're far enough back. I'll get my fresh air here. You did a really good churchy job. I said, if you had an inheritance of $10 billion, would it affect how you live? And you're like, no, I love Jesus. It wouldn't affect how I live. And I'm like, y'all lying dogs. It would affect how you live. And you're stewarding more. It's different. It affects how you live. Well, today we're going to talk about trust funds. You know what a trust fund is? It's like an advance on inheritance. Now, once you imagine you had a trust fund of about $10 million, but you kept forgetting you had it. And so you didn't buy good food. You got squeaky brakes that were worn down, but you didn't buy new brakes because you thought you couldn't afford it. And, and you're just kind of living like you're poor, but you got full access to a $10 million trust fund. Wouldn't you want someone to come along and say, hey, hey, Karen, don't forget you have $10 million. Like, you have access to this money. Why don't you use it, who could help you steward it well as it's intended to be. Somebody say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I don't know. It's been a long week. <laughs> this text is about a trust fund, but a trust fund of power that we have already in Christ that we so often never tap into. So let's work our way through this. First, Paul prays for people for two reasons, and this was a midweek thought a couple weeks ago. Because they have faith in the Lord Jesus and love towards the saints. He, he gives thanks for them because of that. Two markers of salvation always go together. Faith in the Lord Jesus, love towards all the saints. You ever say this, oh, I know so-and-so is saved. How do you know they're saved? They have such strong faith. What does that mean? What, 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 is, what does that mean? They're, they're, they're such a nice person. They're, they're so generous. They're, they're so kind. They're, mm, you know how you know somebody is saved? It's very simple. Two primary markers. Faith in the Lord Jesus and love toward all the saints. Now, faith in the Lord Jesus is pretty straightforward. It's believing Jesus is the Christ and salvation comes in no other name but his. It's resting in, relying on, living in light of the truth that Jesus is the Christ, that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Y'all okay with that one, right? Yeah. Well, what, what about this next one about loving all the saints? 
Hold on, hold on. Help me out, help me out here, Kim. It says, oh yeah, and your love toward all the saints sometimes, if you feel like it. He's actually not that far off, but, but he's far off. He's not that far off. This is in particular talking towards the local assembly. That'll unpack over the, the coming weeks. Well, 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 do you ever say, I know someone is saved because look at the love they have for the saints. What does that look like? Oh, Barb, I just love you so much. My sister in Christ, cut off. <laughs> is that what it's supposed to look like? And then I'm like, Rich, yeah, technically I'm supposed to love you, but dude, really. Wait, wait, we'll unpack this, but, but notice they go together. Putting the interests of others ahead of yourself, treating others how you would desire to be treated in light of how Christ has treated you. Cameron is right. You okay? Cam, you help her up? We're good. All right. Notice these people don't do these two things perfectly. Look at Ephesians 2.8. By grace you've been saved through faith. They're forgetting what faith in Jesus is. They know. They're just forgetting to put it into action. Get to Ephesians 4. Talking about unity in the body. They're not loving people perfectly. But here's what Paul is giving thanks for. He sees unripened fruit. Fruit, nonetheless, fruit that will ripen, but yet currently unripened fruit. So it's not that you have perfect faith in the Lord Jesus and you perfectly love all the saints. No, no, no. It's that you have any capacity to have faith in Jesus and any ability to love the saints. Those are the markers that go together of, of salvation. There are others, but. So he goes on. I don't cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? What does that mean to know God? When I was a kid, I thought if you, if you knew somebody, you could get them pregnant. Well, Adam knew Eve as his wife and she conceived. It was like, well, obviously, Micah knew, knew Jasmine, right? Stop thinking about your wife and this wouldn't happen. Is, is that what it means? Biblically, knowing isn't just knowing facts about in the saving sense. It's knowing intimately, personally, an in-depth involvement of persons in relationship to one another. Allah, Adam, knew his wife for the older people. You ever wonder how that stuff worked? It wasn't just up here. I'm just saying. But what this is talking about is knowing God in the saving way of an intimate, personal relationship with. Of the most intimate type. So Paul is praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in people who know God in a saving way, but that they would come to truly know him in the most intimate way having the eyes of their hearts enlightened. Doesn't that sound mystical? Pray for enlightenment from the deities. What, what does it mean, enlightened? God's light shining on truth that we might perceive it. Huh, funny how the world twists that around. Praying for enlightenment that you may know what is the hope to which he, God, has called you, 
What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? We've just looked at that. And, you with me? Lost you. Y'all with me? I'm the one slugging along up here. Come on, guys. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? This is not Paul praying for access to power. Lord, we pray that your power come upon us to come through us. I got spirit power. If you ever see that going on, just, just Layla's like, what is going on? Grandma, get me out of here. That's not what this is talking about. That's how you go into all sort of heresy. It's about the power we already have in us and the power already at work for us. Remember the old song in the 90s? I got the power! Y'all are really, y'all are tough. Like, come on now, I'm going to go up here. No one likes me down there. Y'all don't remember that song? It's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of hectic, right? That was a biblical song. The world's getting kind of hectic and the Christians go, I got the power! Ooh! I'm just making sure you making sure, making sure you're all listening. What sort of power do we have? Well, look what Paul says. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he did what? Raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. We have resurrection power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead raised us from the dead, enabled us to not be captive to sin, and walk in joyful obedience to Christ. You have that power. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm a bad man, and I do bad things, and I can't do nothing about it. No, no, no. You were a dead man who was a bad man, but you're a new man with a bad guy in you, and you're not captive to the bad man. You can do good things. How? It's going to be hard. You're going to fail. But you can do it because you have resurrection power. How often do we forget about the power that we have? We look at sin, we look at circumstance, we think, I can't do it. God is saying, yes, you can. So we got resurrection power. We also have far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. We have sovereign power at work for us. Good luck. You ever hear that? Good luck. Got a job interview next week. Well, good luck. Going to the doctor. Good luck. I'm, I'm going to go try to get tickets for the game. Good luck. Stop. The world believes in luck because they worship the deity of chance. Believers live in that world, but we know we don't hope with, for luck. We rest in a sovereign God. All things work together for the good of those who love God, are called according to his purposes. Whatever happens in your life, remember, Paul's writing from prison. I saw an interview this morning on, on ESPN. The, the, the Braves are going to the Super Bowl. See, I'm trying to see if y'all are with me. You're that not. Be, the Braves are going to the World Series, and you know who Freddie Freeman is? They interviewed him after the game, and he's sitting there with, with goggles on his face because 
they, they spray champagne in your eye. I don't know, but anyway, you see me, I'd be a party pooper in the locker room. Don't spray me. I'll knock you into teeth. Stay away. Anyway, come back past the preach. Okay. And he says, I don't know how to describe what I feel. This has got to be what pure joy is. Is a young man who spent his whole professional life working at a craft to reach the actual pinnacle of the craft. This is the most, most valuable player from last year who's made it to the World Series. This is the, the creme de la creme of professional baseball. It doesn't get any higher or better than this other than winning the series. And this young man says, this has got to be what pure joy feels like. My friends, my Lord tells me, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because, you know, the testing of your faith develops perseverance, patience. He, he, God is saying he's working in us, conforming us to the image of Christ so that we can have joy in all things, but one day we'll have unadulterated, pure, imperfect joy. Everything going on in your life is going on under the powerful, sovereign hand of God for your good. Yes, his glory, but your good. And I want you to think about that. I got to wrestle with it all week after eating some lovely food a week ago. And I'm thinking, not all things. The Lord will tell you, John wasn't praising God all week. But I could have been, but I forgot the trust fund that I had. See, I was driving on squeaky brakes, forgetting the access to the power at work for me and my identity in Christ, so that even in those strangely non-consequential times, I could know with certainty God is using it for a perfect purpose. You can escalate that up to the hardest things you might be going through in life. If you are in Christ, what a joy to know the power at work for your good. Now, if you're not in Christ, I'm sorry, this ain't for you. You, you, you a pauper with nothing. God will be glorified, but it's not going to be for your good, other than the good of God's common grace calling you to repentance. So if life hurts, if life hurts, understand there is resurrection power for you too. So we have resurrection power, not captive. We have sovereign power. God is using all things for our good as he works them for his glory. Now, this is where I'm going to lose y'all, and you're going to have to keep coming back week after week after week. You ready? Church power. Just look at it. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Y'all know about church power? Now, now you, who, who sings? Is that you, Rich? Come on up. I'll sing it with you. Give me a mic from Mr. Uh, Tomasetti. I'm we, we, Ephesians, by and large, is a book about the church. You'll see that as we move forward. Do you know how we've messed up church? Yeah, you ever, I'm, I'm going to be a little edgy for a minute. Ask about it downstairs. Yeah, you ever meet a youth pastor? They're real people. Talk to them. They're nice sometimes. You ever meet a pastor of evangelism and discipleship? Family pastor, associate pastor, you ever meet one of these? You ever see the title in scripture? Why that? You ever hear a worship team sing? You ever read about a worship team singing in scripture? 
I have, they're usually angelic hosts, but besides that, you, you, you know, there, there, there's some strange things go on when, when we get into church. How about this? Church membership of a hot-button conversation. Some people say, I don't believe there's such a thing as church membership. Well, well, just hang on a minute. It says here, to the church, which is his what? In verse 23. Yeah, you know what you call the parts of a body? Members of a body? I'm just saying, hang on a minute, folks. We, we could go a little crazy here. Because we've seen it messed up. We've seen the bride of Christ sullied many different ways, but she's still the bride, and, and here's what you got to hang on to. Listen close. In a culture like ours that is pragmatic, individualistic, consumeristic, and relativistic, the reality is we need to remember that while as believers we have many individual responsibilities, we do not and will not fulfill our calling if we seek to influence the culture and glorify God apart from the local church. That is a point Paul is going to drive through here in the book of Ephesians. The reality is, while as believers we have many individual responsibilities, we do not and will not fulfill our calling if we seek to influence the culture and glorify God apart from the local church. How are you going to love one another as Christ has loved us? How are we going to identify love for all the saints? If, if I just hang around Cameron for a, you know, an hour once a month, he's easy to love. But if I'm stuck with him week after week, month after month, year after year, then I have to know this guy? And y'all can't laugh because you know we have the same issue too, right? He's probably easier to love than any one of us. That takes a Holy Spirit. That takes power that we don't have on our own. And so what he'll go through here is, as we'll see in the coming weeks, mutual love, personal and corporate purity, giving us opportunities for godly service in every case. That's what the local church is all about. So, you know, you ever hear of a revival? You have a revival meeting, right? You get a little camp, tent, tent camp. What do you call those things? Tent camp? What is wrong with me? A tent, get all the people under, you get the singing, you get the preaching, you get the altar call. You remember those in here? You see, revival used to, in the past, up till about the 1900s, it was known, defined, as a miraculous work of God drawing people to himself in large numbers. The definition changed in the 1900s to a work whereby people are used by God to draw people to him. It's putting power out of God's hand into people's hands, if you will. Called a crusade. You know why you, know why you don't see long-lasting fruit? In the book we'll look at in the, in, in the second Sunday school, we'll call it. Paul Tripp, in Rede Instrument in Redeemer's Hand, talks about stapling fruit onto a tree. What, what happens, guys, discipleship, evangelism, sanctification... You can't do it on your own. You don't have the power to do it. And we all know that. We affirm it's not me, it's Jesus, right? But it's Jesus working through, look at it, his church. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's kind of like this. Um, Brian Chappell has an illustration. He says, the church is a wedding bouquet that will be given to Jesus that Jesus is preparing 
so he might receive it. We, we are being prepared by Christ for Christ, in his power, for his glory. But as you'll see starting next week, there's much human responsibility, always falling under the understanding of divine sovereignty. But we have resurrection power, we have sovereign power, and we have church power, power given to the church by God. Spiritual gifts, that's another thing we have really done a number with. You ever do a spiritual gift inventory? If you have, I recommend burning them. Because those things are hobby horses, my guys. Listen, anybody ever like, oh, I have the gift of hospitality who doesn't like people naturally, right? Or I, I have the gift of, of giving who's got like 15 buttons on your pockets, right? Or, or I have the gift of being served. No, it's service. Here, here's the thing. We all assume we get one gift or, or two gifts, and, and we tend to cherry-pick the gifts. What, what if, hypothetically, read your Bible, let me know how crazy I'm talking here. What gift did Paul have besides apostolic gifts? What, what gift did Timothy have? A bunch? In different measure, according to the faith entrusted to you, shall we say? What would happen if we had a weird, unique, eclectic sort of grouping of spiritual gifts so we were more like snowflakes than inventories? You see, here, here's what it boils down to. Y'all, we got some crazy power at work in us and at work for us, but so often we forget. So we're like folks walking in with, with torn up, frazzled clothes, with squeaky brakes, eating, eating Pringles instead of broccoli. Right? And, and we're just, I, I can't afford it. I don't have, I, I don't. Somebody needs to come alongside and say, Renee, you got $10 million in the bank. Why are you eating Pringles all the time? I, I can't afford it. Pringles are good, right? Especially the cheddar flavored. Like, but let's not. You tell me I got the $10 million, that'd be great. If, <laughs> as long as you take me out food shopping. <laughs> but what if it was better than $10 million? What do you not have access to that you need in Christ? I'm not asking the question, what is Jesus not doing for you that you want him to do right now? I'm asking, what do you not have access to? What do you ha not have that you need in Christ? Where, where do you think sin is more powerful than you can handle? Where do you think circumstances are larger than, than you can deal with? Where is life just so hard that you can't deal with it? Shh, stop. You have power. You have resurrection power. You ain't who you think you are. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Yes, there's the old man still kicking and screaming and hollering inside. We all feel him and the effects of the fall every day of our lives, don't we? You could eat some bad chicken or you could wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You could have an ache in your hip or a doctor call and say, I'm gonna to need to talk to you. The test results have come in. We all feel the pain. Karen shared the story of loss in her school this year, right? We see the effects of sin, but in a world that worships chance that says good luck, what do they hold on to? Nothing. They grasp for air, but we as Christians, we need to grip tightly to Christ, knowing that we have resurrection power, we have sovereign power, and we have church power. Well, hang on a minute. What does church power look like in that? Well, we can keep going here, but my friends, you know what we're called to do for one another? To love one another to remind one another of who we are and whose we are and how we became such. We're to pray for one another. It's interesting, Paul's praying. 
He's thanking them. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Don't over-spiritualize this. Here's what he's saying. Because I know y'all are saved. Just paraphrase that. You see this? For this reason. What reason, Paul? Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit's at work in you. You've been born anew. You're walking in spiritual power. I know you're saved. I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. What's he praying? That the God of our Lord Jesus might heal Tony's hip, might help Mary find her new job, might help Joseph with his difficult child and stubborn rocks in his field. Is that not your translation? That our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Can we be honest for a minute? Christmas is coming up. Somebody's going to start asking, what do you want for Christmas? I have a list. Can we put it up? What do you want? What, what, is, what is something you just want so badly right now? Don't answer because this could get really awkward. Is the first thing that comes to my, my dad when I was a kid, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? Somebody's going, weren't you Jewish? I am. Conversation for another time. My dad knew I was going to have to take his wallet to buy him something. I'm five years old, right? I want world peace. They say that every year. So you know what I give him every year now? Nothing. Praying for world peace, Dad. Thanks for the greater. No. What, what, do you, what do you want? How about knowledge of God? I want to know God. Dirty little secret. Every single problem you have wouldn't be so concerning to you or me if we knew God as he truly was and saw ourselves for who we truly were in him. I'm not saying your circumstances change, but I'm saying how you interpret your circumstances, how you manage your circumstances, what you feel in your circumstances, then you could sing, don't worry, be happy. You wouldn't use the word happy. Don't worry, be joyful. What kind of pastor you got singing all these crazy songs? Why is our greatest desire not to know God? Do you know why? Because there's a remnant still at work in us of the old man. And we forget the power we have in us and for us. Remember what happened, how we started here. Spiritual blessings in Christ, predestination. I loved you before I made the world and I haven't stopped now, is God saying to his people. Redemption, we'll talk about that downstairs today. We are forgiven our trespasses. We're made new in Christ. In him we have obtained an inheritance. He brings us all the way through. Who am I? I am God's child by his delight. What do I have in inheritance? Beyond the inheritance, power. Power over sin, power over death, power to walk in obedience to Christ, 
power at work for me, knowing that all things are being used for my good and the glory of God who loves me, and the power of the church, which we can so easily push aside, a power to encourage, equip, upbuild, proclaim to one another, be used by one another, to go out into the world alongside and even independent of one another. Do you ever notice every missionary in Scripture was sent by a church? Where did Paul get his start on his missionary endeavors? It's commissioned by the church. Why? Well, because well, that's how Christ intended it to be. It's called ecclesiology, the, the, the study of the doctrine of the church. Look around. Do you see how ordinary this place is? I mean, just, just honest, give, give yourself a minute. Besides me, y'all are just ordinary people, right? I mean, I'm special. I, I am special, amen? amen. It's just a, how ordinary is this? You got some, some old guy balding up front preaching to you, and you're all going, somebody pray for pastor, he's losing his mind. It's half gone, but I still got half. What's so spectacular about this? See, we can't see it because we're looking at it the wrong way. We need our eyes, our hearts enlightened. These are not mere mortals. These are, C.S. Lewis, I think it's called The Weight of Glory, it is. He talks about perhaps we will have experience encountering what we think of as the lowliest form of humanity, not realizing that it is a creature we would, we would almost run the risk of falling down to worship if we could see them as who they truly were. What do I mean? What does he mean by that? You know how much God loves every person in this room and how uniquely he loves them? Do you know that he who created all things, who controls all things, has his eye diligently upon every molecule, using it for our good and his glory? You don't want to mess with one of these because these are children of the high king. But let's keep going. We're the temple of God. God, start a worship service. God, we invite you to join us today. What's that about? That's like me inviting my daddy to come. Dad, I, I invite you to, to come to the dinner table. He'd be like, whose table you think this is, son? We don't invite God to come in. God's already with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. God dwells in his people by his spirit. Do you understand what we see here? God is it? Why has somebody say, why hadn't Jesus come back yet? I only got rich with me today. I don't know, but anyway. Um, because he's not done. God is carrying out his purpose, listen to this, primarily through his people to proclaim his glory and call people to trust in him for salvation. The church has a mission. It's a mission of glorifying God as we walk as his people face-to-face -face with him before a lost world. You see, when people walk into a church, they shouldn't be enthralled by the spectacle. They should hang out around a little bit and go, what, what, what kind of family is this? Why, why, why y'all, what, what, what y'all got in common? You ever notice when your kids were in elementary school, your friends would be other parents in elementary school? Your kids get older, you, 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 they get into sports, your, your friends are, are all parents who go to sports. 
Get a little older, the people, you know, I'm using friends loosely, not biblically. Your, your friends are people you work with, or they have a similar hobby, or they live in a similar neighborhood. You know what I'm talking about. They look a lot like you, they act a lot like you, and they like what you like. Amen? Think about it. What, 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 what unites us? Is this, is this a, a, a church for 20s and 30-somethings like me? Why are you all snickering? Is this, is this an old folks church? Is this a, a, a young family with kids church? You ever, you ever notice what happens in so many churches? No, no, this should be a church. And you know what I have in common with Jim and Karen and Patty and Renee? Jesus. It's not that we all have kids playing on the same basketball team. It's not that we all have the same hobbies. It's not that we all love to read theology. It's not that we all enjoy cooking. It's not that we, it, it's that we love Jesus. That doesn't change. That's what binds us together. A love for Jesus and the power of Jesus by the spirit of Jesus for the glory of Jesus. That's what a church is. And as we live alongside one another, we're not giving advice on, let me, let me give you some help on a, on a shooting coach I'm using for my kid to help your son shoot better. Let me give you some good cooking advice on how to use paprika. Let, let me give you some investment advice on, on, on some stocks. No, no, no. Let me boast in Jesus. Let me tell you how he loves us so. Let me remind you of who we are in him. My friends, this is where you see the Holy Spirit's power at work in sanctifying his saints to put him in the world to call people to Jesus. We are a royal nation, a royal priesthood, dare I say, a people of his own possession, that we may declare the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Resurrection power, sovereign power, church power. Church power is going to unpack in the weeks to come. What do you, what do, you do with all this? I don't know, that's on you, I'm just preaching. Remember, who are you? Don't answer it out loud. Remember who you are. Well, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a pastor. Those are things that, that's not who you are. Those are things entrusted to you. But, but who are you? I'm a child of God, chosen by God, to be loved by God, to live with God forever. Do you know how easy that is to forget? I wake up on Monday, who am I? I'm a sick dude. I wake up on Tuesday, who am I? I'm a sick dude <laughs> with an irritated wife. I wake up on Wednesday, we'll stop there. You wake up tomorrow, who are you? You're going to define yourself by your vocation. You're going to define yourself by how you feel. You're going to define yourself by your personal successes or failures. Stop. Who are you? We could go back here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Who are you? Chosen by God before the foundation of the world and blessed with every spiritual blessing. Good morning. Now we can step out of bed, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Wow, how does God see me? He doesn't see me in my morning face in the mirror. He doesn't see me with a toothpaste to drip down the side of my mouth a little bit. He doesn't see me blew my nose and didn't shave and got a little bit of that, that tissue stuck on my face. No, no. He sees me 
as holy and blameless in his eyes with the righteousness of Christ. Good morning again. We keep going through this to the praise of his glorious grace, which he blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Oh, I can't believe I did such a stupid thing. Well, yeah, you shouldn't do such a stupid thing because you forgot who you are, but you know you're forgiven. Yes, you may have consequences for your stupidity. You know, everything happens for a reason. This is a church sign I can't use. Sometimes the reason is because you're stupid. <laughs> but even in our stupidity, God will use it for his glory and our good. Who are you? Do you see what we have before us here? You're filthy rich. So that's not what my bank app says. Well, I don't care what your bank app says. I'm telling you what the Lord says. You have an imperishable, undefiled inheritance and power at work in you and for you right this moment beyond your wildest dreams. As a little boy, I have vague memories, probably two or three, walking with my dad, you know, when you had to reach up like this. And I remember he one day put me up on his shoulders. I think we were at an amusement park or something. And I was terrified, first of all, because it was really high. Like you could, you could run out of air up there. And I remember vividly, I can still feel like his beard hair. Holding on to him, you can get, get your hand off of my mouth, I can't breathe. But I'm holding on for dear life way up high. And I thought, this is so cool. I didn't know this is what it looked like from up here. Because I saw butts and knees. That's all I was seeing. I'm hanging on my dad, butts and knees, butts and knees, butts and knees. And up we go. And it's like, whoa. Do you know what Paul's doing for us here? Living in the land of butts and knees. He lifts us up to give us a perspective of the reality that we live in that the lost cannot see. And as he lifts us up there, we are able to get a breath of air. So remember who you are, why you are what you are, how you became such. And remind one another of the same as you walk alongside them. Position yourself to be reminded by others because you too will quickly forget. Number two, I only got three. Number two, pray for spiritual sight. Yay. We'll pray in a minute here. Usually, what do we pray about? Temporal stuff. And it's okay, don't get me wrong. But there's something bigger and better. That God might open the eyes of our heart that we might behold his glory. Pray that, that God, by his spirit, would give us an increasing knowledge of him. This God whose way is perfect, that this God whose word is always true, this God who has all power, this God who is your father because he chose to call you son. Pray for yourself. Pray for others to have sight as saints. And last of all, fight. 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 This isn't a passive battle. We'll make that pivot here in chapter 2. There's an active fight that goes on here. We're, we're not called to don the spa gear of God. Put on the soft sandals of pleasure and the quilted robe of comfort as you're massaged by the spirit and joy. Don the armor of God. Why are you donning armor? 
Because it's a battle. There are, there's fiery darts coming at us. We're we all so novocaine to them, we don't even know they're hitting us. We got to put something on our head. Why? Y'all got to be careful up there, Romans 12. We got to guard our hearts. We got belt up with the belt of truth. We got sandals. Interestingly, you can read about that. They're not like Birkenstocks. They're cleated foot attire of the soldier. It's a fight. But listen, it's a fight that not only can you win, it's a fight you most assuredly will win because you're not fighting in your own might. Remember little David? You ain't David. But bear with me a minute. What was his problem with Goliath? He was like, I got a slingshot and a technique. You going down, sucker. Right? Right? He was like some super secret special agent. He was a punk little shepherd kid. He didn't come up thinking like, I got, I got this. He came up with, with a moment of sanity for at times crazy man. Why are y'all letting this guy talk so crazy about Yahweh? What kind of nonsense is this? Who is mightier than Yahweh? That's stupid. And David was just young enough and just naive enough to know for just a moment that the crazy people were the ones who were scared of Goliath and not God. My friends, you'll win the fight. You, you may, you'll win the war. You may lose some battles along the way. But every time you use a battle, lose a battle, God will restore you as his child. He will strengthen you as his child. In fact, Corinthians uh, 1, 2 Corinthians 1, you might find in some of those perceived defeats, there are victories found as you're able to comfort others with the comfort with which you yourself, you yourself have been comforted by God. Here's the deal. The victory is ours in Christ over death, over sin, over hardship, over trial. One day there will be no more tears or weeping or mourning and there will be nothing but an adulterated joy in the presence of God. Fight. Fight to live in light of who you truly are, trusting in the power of God at work for you. Walking alongside others who tarry in the fight, become distracted in the fight, or forget who they are in the fight, asking them to do the same for you. Now, the danger here is that was four weeks, five weeks in Ephesians 1. I want to do a quick fell swoop through the whole thing because it flows so beautifully together. So don't give up on me. Be patient with me. Don't forget some of this stuff. Because as we come to two, oh, this is just two is, a, oh, it's an awesome chapter. I liked one. Don't misunderstand me. Do you ever find this? I seem to think the best chapter is the one we're currently in. Wait till you get to two, but, but we can't go through two until we land one well. Who are you? Look at the so many ways God answers that question for us. Look at the inheritance you have, but don't forget about the trust fund, a.k.a. the power you have right now. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us to know who you are more fully and truly and who we are in you. Father, allow us to see you with our spiritual eyes in truth. Allow us to gaze upon your power and splendor and majesty and might. Give us a, a glimpse at a distance perhaps of our, in our spiritual eyes and hearts of, of what Isaiah saw more fully as you revealed to us in your word when he says, Holy Holy, 
holy is the Lord God Almighty. Help us to understand, Lord, why the psalmist delights in your law, why he finds your words sweeter than honey, better than much fine gold. Help us, Lord, to understand why this gospel is something angels long to understand. Help us, Lord, to see ourselves not through a mirror, not through the eyes of fallen man, but rather through your word. Lord, as we see ourselves for who we truly are, there is no place for pride, for we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, so no one can boast. Yet there is also no place for despair, for we are children of God, loved by the blessed beloved God of all, eternally secure in you. Allow us, Lord, the joy of resting in that buoyant middle of not pride or despair, but joy in you. Lord Jesus, help us by the power of your Spirit to walk alongside you as you have saved us too. May we, Lord Jesus, be known by you as a people who have faith in you and a love toward all your saints. Lord, forgive us for the times we don't love others. Maybe not even antagonistically, maybe at times through sheer apathy. Holy Spirit, help us, but also remind us that you are not looking for our faith and our love to save us. These aren't things people do to earn your favor or salvation. These are things you cause to come about in those you have already saved. Help us not look to be impressive in our faith and love, but rather more and more impressed by your love for us and the gift of faith you gave to us. So we might rightly understand that even the bare evidence of faith is enough to rejoice for all eternity in because it comes only from you. And even if we grieve not loving people, Lord God, perhaps there we have evidence of your work in our lives as we are attempting to begin to love. But Lord God, help us to understand most of all, it is you who love us perfectly. It is you who saved us completely. And it is you in whom all of our desires are satisfied. You are our creator, our redeemer, our savior, and incredibly also our friend. Lord Jesus, help us. Lord Jesus, strengthen us, encourage us. Holy Spirit, help us to walk in your power, by your power, for your glory. To you alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Which closing is? Oh, wait. Give me a minute on the close. What can we thank God for or ask God for today?